What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm Shelly Metling, and I've been sharing my infertility journey openly on YouTube for about a year now. With four losses ourselves and one rainbow baby on the way, I wanted a platform for you babes to share your stories. So girl, sit back, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry, because we are about to get real on the ins and outs of pregnancy loss in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Jelena King with us today to share her story. I'm so excited. Jelena, I'm just going to throw it at you, and I'm going to let you start wherever you'd like. Okay, so my story is kind of long and confusing, so bear with me. Um, It does include infertility as well. Um, So my husband and I met when we were 14, um, but we lost touch for a little bit. We ended up reconnecting, um, and we got married when we were 20, Um, so we're really young, and we weren't quite ready to start a family then. So I was on birth control. I had been on birth control, um, and he deployed. He he was in the Marine Corps, Um, so he deployed, and he came back, and um, about... A year and a few months after we had gotten married, we're like, okay, let's try. We're ready. We have our careers. We have all these things that we wanted lined up before we had kids. We were house hunting, all these things. So um, we started trying, and it was six months before he was supposed to go on on another deployment. So we're like, okay, we're young. We're healthy, you know, what people say. <laughs> and he's, we have six months, and what are we going to do? If Am I going to give birth while you're gone? How far along am I going to be? How do you feel about missing the pregnancy? Like, we were ready for him to be deployed and for me to be, like, giving birth on my own. Um, and it didn't happen. So he deployed, and so we didn't even get to try for eight months, which was its own special I was training. like, that's got to be hard. that is really hard so like when I kind of consolidate my infertility journey I say we tried for 33 months just to keep it simple I count the eight months where he was gone just because I was waiting I just couldn't even try it's still a part of of, like the mental process with infertility oh yeah for for sure. sure Yeah, that's that's when I started getting like jealous of the pregnant women and like, oh, well, it must be nice to get to try must be nice your husband's home, you know, kind of thing. So, um, which is not a good headspace to be in. Um, I was in there for a long time. Um, So he came back and I was like, all right, homecoming, baby, let's go. Um, My body had had time to get off birth control and everything and um, didn't happen for another six months or so. Um, still didn't happen. So I went to my OB and it was just a regular like routine checkup. And while I was there, I was like, by the way, it's taken a long time to get pregnant. (laughs) And he's like, why didn't you come in sooner? This is like, it's been such a long time. Let's get you tested. So, um, he, we did like a basic fertility workup and we found that we were dealing with male factor infertility. Um, so everything looked good based on the initial tests and stuff for me, but, um, he had, his count was good, but everything else was really bad. So he had a lot of really bad sperm. It wasn't helping our case. Um, and so I, he referred us to a fertility specialist. I didn't want to go. I didn't want anybody telling me we couldn't conceive naturally. I didn't want that in my head. I wasn't going to believe it if they said it. So I just didn't go. And I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. 
um, I've always been like really quiet and reserved and observational and that kind of thing. So it was kind of my style to hop on Google and see what I could find for myself. Um, and I learned about non-toxic, um, eliminating toxins and that sort of thing. So we tried like fertility supplements and I, I got on a whole food, um, prenatal and we did, we made like little changes and we tried things here and there, um, cut out toxins and that sort of thing. So then eventually, um, about two and a half years after we had started trying, we decided to try soft cups or soft discs, menstrual cups, and we got pregnant on the first try. Um, and actually that cycle that we got pregnant started on mother's day, which I I think that happens with a lot of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) where something goes wrong on mother's day. Um, so yeah, it was May 10th. I started my cycle and that cycle, I got pregnant. Um, and I was so excited. I was like ugly crying. I was, um, I was just so happy. And, um, so let me think back for a second. So around that time that I got pregnant, my husband was then transitioning out of the Marine Corps, and that was unexpected for him. So he was kind of going through this, like, loss of identity. Um, I can't impregnate my wife. I can't provide for my family, all these things, um, feeling really emasculated. And um, so we actually had kind of been having some trouble in our marriage up to the point where we got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I was like, this is a sign. We're going to be okay. We're like, we're meant to stay together, this sort of thing. Um, we had actually gotten a huge fight, I think, the day before I found out I was pregnant. And it was just a mess. But this was just like big beams of hope for us. And we were so excited. So um, we started talking about, like, you know, having a baby. And I didn't find out until I was six weeks, which was really weird. Because I had been testing for a while because my period was late. Um, So about what I thought would be I was seven weeks, I started spotting. And I had been on the fertility chat boards and the the miscarriage chat boards for uh, for years already at this point. And I was like, this is normal. This is fine. And I was talking myself out of like, uh, because my mom miscarried her first pregnancy and then she had me, and then she miscarried her third one, and then she had my brother. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to, like, follow my mom's footsteps. My mom was overweight, and she smoked, and, like, I'm not my mom, and I'm eating healthy and all these things. And so started spotting. Um, I woke up one morning um, in June, the mil- uh, end of June, to just horrible cramping and bleeding. And I just knew, like, there was no question. I'm having this marriage. And so I had no idea what to do. I was, I was just devastated. I called my dad because my mom actually died when I was 19. So I didn't have my mom to call, but I called my dad thinking maybe he would have some memory of my mom's miscarriage. And, um, I was like, what do I do? Like, this is what's happening. I don't even think I had told him I was pregnant at that point. I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. These are my symptoms. And he's like, you need to go to the ER in case you have an infection. Like that's that that was the extent of his knowledge, <laughs> and boy do I regret going to the ER. <laughs> um, they, it was just a very cold and miserable experience, and kind of added insult to injury. Um, they told me to follow up with my OB in two days, and I already had my first prenatal appointment scheduled. Um, so when I called my OB's office, I said, hey, I've been to the ER, this is what happened, they want me to follow up, 
can I just come in for my regular, the prenatal appointment I have scheduled? And she said, well, you're not pregnant anymore. And then she was really confused why I was crying about that. And she's like, hello, hello. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was a whole miserable experience. My husband, um, I was in this space where I thought we have the same baby. We're, we lost the same baby. Like, he's the only person in the world. He's closest to me. He's the only one who gets it, and he gets it the best. And that is not true at all. <laughs> Um, and he just totally, um, he like was, he checked out and he told me I would cry to him and he told me at one point, get over it, um, which just made it worse, obviously. And yeah, it was really bad. So we went through this miscarriage and everything and he hadn't really expressed any sort of like, oh, I miss our baby, anything like that. He was just um and about a month I think it was like a month after I miscarried he left like left he left to his dad's for the weekend um and he didn't talk to me his dad was like three hours away um and toward the end of the weekend he sent me this long text that was like you've changed I don't know who you are it's too late to change back like I, I don't, I have no idea where this was coming from because this was not a topic of our conversations at all. Um, so we came back the next, um, a few days later and we went to the park and we had a oddly civil conversation about him just saying, I don't want to be married anymore. I don't know if I want kids. And I was like, um, we've tried for this long and then we lost a baby and now you're going to leave me. So then I'm in my head of like, okay, he's going to leave. I'm going to have to start all over again, finding somebody. Who knows if I have some un undiagnosed fertility issue. Um, and then we're going to have to start all over again. And what if I miscarry again? And I was just way in the future and it was not looking good. Um, so I was like, okay, I have two choices. I can go along with it or I can... Um, I could fight for him, but I know that that's going to push him away. So I'd rather just go along with it and give him this divorce that he says that he wants. I'm going to call his bluff, basically. Um, and so we would go to the lawyer and we, I asked him, um, can you hold hand? Can you wear your wedding ring when we're together? So he did that. We, like, held hands waiting for the, the lawyer to come in. It was so, it was just a really bizarre time in our life. It was really dark. Um, so, yeah, we filed for divorce, and he left. He started his life in some other town. He had a little apartment. Um, so I started looking at um, other, what I wanted to do was find friends in my area, but there weren't really, like, find a friend apps. There were only dating apps. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's just see. Let's just see who's out there. I just want to know that there are good guys out there so that when I'm ready to jump in, I have that. Um, and so I ended up starting to talk to this guy for a couple weeks. And we were just about to meet. 
And like the night before, I was like, you know what? I'm married. This is so confusing. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can only control my actions. I can't control Anthony. Anthony's my husband. Um, and so I'm married. I'm going to act that way until I'm not married anymore. So I was like, sorry, we can't meet. And the next day, my husband came back and was basically saying, you know, I'm so sorry. This is how I've been feeling. This is what's been going through my head. I thought our marriage was the problem, but it's not. It's more internal and that sort of thing. And I'm like, duh. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I know I, that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, I told him this too. And he was like, not having it. He had, I knew that he had to f- figure it out for himself. He's yeah. the kind of guy that learns the hard way. Um, so we talked through it. He, went through how he felt through going through the Marine Corps, getting out of the Marine Corps and going through the miscarriage and everything. Um, And that's what I wanted. I just wanted him to, I just wanted to know, I didn't want him to hurt, but I wanted to know that he had some some sort of feeling for the loss of our baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I got that from him. So we reconciled, we started trying again. We used the soft, soft disc again and I got pregnant, um, I found out in December that same year that I was pregnant. And I had no idea that it would come so quickly. I was like, all right, this is awesome. So I felt really good about it. I told everybody at work. I kind of had to anyway because I worked with radiation. So I have to like, oh, I have yeah. to precautions, um, which really made it hard because um, I like through going through infertility, I was like, maybe I'm pregnant this month. Maybe I shouldn't do this particular exam or whatever. And it just really kept me in that headspace of like, what if, what if, and like uh-huh. obsessing. Over I even remember going to the dentist and being like, maybe I shouldn't get x-rays because. Oh my so gosh. I can't yeah. imagine. Like. We're actually working with radiation. Yeah. yeah. Um, that made it really complicated. Bless the hearts of all my coworkers. I had the best possible coworkers. Um, they were just so loving and understanding. And when I couldn't do the baby patients, they would take them. For, I was I was like the baby expert. Um, and they took all the pregnant patients from me. They took all the baby patients from me. Um, they didn't quite know what to say. <laughs> yeah. I got the, like, oh, it wasn't meant to be. There was something wrong with the baby. You'll have another one. You know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the platitudes. Um, but, oh, they were so good. So, anyway, got pregnant. November, found out in December. Um, and I was like, there's no way this is going to happen again. I had actually started taking baby aspirin. I put myself on baby aspirin. Um, when I, once I ovulated, I went ahead and started taking it and went through that pregnancy. Of course I had, you know, there was like this fear of, I've never been this pregnant before. What if something goes wrong now? What if, you know, I have incompetent cervix or he has like some kind of genetic disorder or like something that I didn't even get to that point with the first one. So it was like all new. So there was like an underlying kind of anxiety, but overall I was, we were thrilled. We were so excited. My husband and I were doing really well. Um, He was so excited for the baby. He threw my baby shower actually for me. Um, which was really sweet and it came together really nicely. And um, I held on to that baby for 41 weeks and one day. <laughs> like awesome pregnancy. Um, so that's my almost three-year-old Abel. 
And so we just were enjoying life with our baby family of three. And I was like, you know what? If we never have another baby, I'll be fine. Cause this is the perfect baby. And this is our baby. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that changed. <laughs> I wanted him to have a sibling, um, like I had, and that was really special to me. So, uh, my psycho regulated when I was like 10 months postpartum and we like tried, I didn't like track or anything, but we did the soft cups and everything. We got pregnant on the second cycle. Um, and just, days after I had told everybody at work again because I had to take these precautions I told them like the day I got the positive test um and so then like three days later I started bleeding again um I was like okay again talking myself out of it there's no way I'm gonna keep miscarried too I was not taking baby aspirin with this one because I was like, we beat infertility and we had a healthy baby and like, this is in our past and we're never going to go through it again. So I didn't take baby aspirin. Um, so ended up miscarrying. It was not a heavy period. It was definitely a long, drawn out, like emotional, hormonal, painful process. It was just like my seven week miscarriage. So then I had to tell everybody at work, oh, I'm miscarrying, so we don't need to do the pregnancy precautions, whatever. Um, which just rubs it in when you have to, like, be so open with everybody. Um, and I was, like, I was obsessed with getting pregnant again. I was, like, if I just get pregnant again right away, I don't have to tell everybody that I miscarried. I can just go along and pretend that I was pregnant the whole time. Um, which was really also unhealthy. Um, so I was, I, I have this for the fertility friend or something like that, where you have like all the charting. I charted so intensely. My chart is like a whole foot long when you print it out. Cause I, I did all the symptoms. Um, and I ended up conceiving 23 days later after the start of my miscarriage, 23 days, I got pregnant again. Um, again, I started taking baby aspirin. So I went through my pregnancy. It was just like my first one. Well, my one with my, um, my son, Abel, totally uneventful and 39 weeks. I delivered my son, Theodore, who just turned one yesterday. Um, and oh, happy birthday, Theodore. Yeah. <laughs> my second rainbow baby, um, and so I was just, I was like, all right, we have two. I'm so excited. Um, it, it was an adjustment. I feel like his story was kind of shrouded by like miscarriage. And um, we had like, I had problems with delayed bonding. I didn't have like postpartum depression or anything, but I just didn't bond with him the way that I did Abel. And that was really hard for me. And I had a lot of this like they call infertility survivor's guilt. Um, and then not only did I feel guilty about that, I felt guilty about, um, I felt like I, I wasn't content with Abel and so I needed another baby, but I, I, that's not actually how I felt. It just looked that way, I guess. Um, and so I felt really bad about that. So it just guilt was like kind of the underlying feeling of my pregnancy with Theodore. Um, and then he was really clingy, which was hard. So 
he's a year old now. He stopped being clingy about three months ago. Thank God. <laughs> Sleeps through the night, everything. Um, so he started sleeping through the night. Again, my cycle kind of came back. Um, in December, this past December, I was like, let's, um, I had this, I felt like I had this calling, like, wait on God's timing for your next baby. Like, so for me, in my case, that means don't use soft cups. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. I don't know if I'm going to have more miscarriages. I had in my mind for some reason that I would have two more um, when I, when I heard that calling. So I didn't know if it would take a long time. I don't know. So I got that December 28th. I kind of had that in my head. And January 16th, I found out that I was pregnant. Naturally, no soft cups, no baby aspirin, nothing. Just, oh my gosh, I was blown away. I was blown away. I ugly cried more than any of my other pregnancies for like an hour. And my husband and I just had this big, we were celebrating, we were so happy. And... We're like, all right, cool. God called us to, to wait on his timing. We got a baby right away. Th like, this is meant to be, you know. There's no way I'm going to have three miscarriages. So I went in, um, I think it was like, how far along was it? Maybe nine, nine weeks or so, or eight weeks to get my first ultrasound. Um, and I had never had a bad ultrasound. Like, once I made it to that first prenatal appointment, I was good. And um, for some reason, I was just so nervous for this one. I was like, I don't even know if I want to wear mascara. What if I cry because it's bad news? What if I cry because it's good news? I don't know. So I wore the mascara. Took a leap of faith. Wore the mascara. And I went in there, and I was like, okay, I told the ultrasound tech. Um, cause my period wasn't my period. My last period was in November and I knew that that wasn't right. Like for dating purposes, I told the ultrasound tech, my last menstrual period is off. So no funny faces when the baby's not measuring as far along as it should. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so she made a funny face anyway. Um, and they had this, she had her screen and then there was like a big screen on the other side of the room that was facing us so we could watch what was going on. And well, I know <laughs> about what it should have looked like at that point, And it did not look like that. Um, we saw a yolk sac and the gestational sac and we saw no fetal pool, no nothing, uh, no embryo. Um... So I just knew, I knew right away that was bad. My husband was like, blah, 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 sitting in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and the ultrasound tech was like, okay, I'm going to go send in the doctor. Um, so she left. I had an appointment with the midwife and she said she was going to send in the doctor. So I, I like shut down and my husband's like, what's going on with my And I was like, um, that didn't look like what it was supposed to look like. And they're only sending in the doctor to give me the news because the ultrasound tech can't. Uh, so the doctor came in. He was really, really cold. And just 
no compassion or empathy whatsoever. She came in. I think she introduced herself. Don't remember her name. Totally checked out by then. And then she started out with, um, I don't remember how she like worded, oh, the ultrasound didn't look good. But then she gave me the spiel that started out with, it's really common. It happens to one in four women. I'm like, okay, obviously you didn't read my chart. Yeah. Cause this is because I am that one in four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I checked out cause I was like, nothing you have to say is news to me or applies to me because you didn't even read my chart. So like, let's just get this over with. I didn't say anything. My husband took over and he like did the talking and the na- nods and the uh-huh. And I just was like, I, you don't deserve my eye contact right now. And I'm not in a place where I feel like I should have to give that to you. So I'm just going to do what I need to do for myself right now. I'm going to look straight ahead at the floor. So she left finally. Oh, she offered, I guess offered. She was like, oh, um, I forget how she worded it, but basically she was saying I didn't have to go see the midwife and I could just go home. And I'm like, well, I'm pregnant. I'm here. I drove an hour and a half to get here and I'm pregnant and I had an appointment with the midwife. Yeah, I'm going to go see the midwife. (laughs) And I also was like expecting my midwife to be more compassionate and that sort of thing. So, um, the, the doctor told me to come back in two weeks to follow up. So she left, went to go see the midwife. Um, and it was kind of the same talk. Like this is what we saw on the ultrasound. And she presented herself in a way that she really made me feel comfortable explaining like, this is why this is so painful for me right now. This is why, this is what I've gone through. This is why this is such a shock. Like this is totally different than my previous two miscarriages. My other two were early. They happened naturally, you know, that sort of thing. And this one I'm looking at what I knew to be considered a blighted ovum. Um, I, I don't remember if she used that terminology, but anyway, so she, um, she, she was just very kind and compassionate and, um, I, I don't remember too much. I just remember the feeling that I got from her and that she actually encouraged me to continue taking my baby aspirin and my prenatals. Like she gave me hope and she believed in me and she was like, it's not over, you know, it's not over till it's over kind of thing. And I knew that I just, I just wanted somebody else to say that too. Um, so we went home. And they couldn't get us in for two weeks. They actually, it was 16 days was my appointment scheduled. Went home and my husband, um, he went from being this guy that was like, get over it. And like totally left me to like, what do you need? What can I do for you? He had gone to therapy a couple years before and he learned this trick um, from his therapist I, f- I forget what conversation brought this up um, with him and the therapist, but I guess I had, my love language is acts of service. So I don't know. I, I just wasn't feeling like connected with him and that sort of thing. So the counselor ended up giving him this trick to like, bef- before you leave a room or before you go do something for yourself, or like, if, even if you're going upstairs or whatever, ask her, is there anything I can do for you? And that has been a game changer for years in our marriage. Um, And it's really opened up me to even 
like I get to look inside myself and figure out what do I need? What is yeah. something that he can do for me? And you know, guys, he and I think most guys are doers and fixers and that sort of thing. So it gives them something to do. Um, and a bonus that he's speaking to me in my love language. So he was that way through like this waiting for this viability scan. Um, and so I had been having bleeding like my whole pregnancy, but again, it was like, oh, this could be normal. It's like not a big deal. I actually did decide to start taking baby aspirin a like five weeks along. Um, so I was taking baby aspirin and I don't know, I felt good. Like I felt confident about this baby and the bleeding kind of like got a little bit heavier and I started getting like light cramps but I'm actually still breastfeeding so when I have my period and I'm breastfeeding it's like really light um so it felt like light period cramps like that kind of but mostly it was pretty painless um so March 6th of this year I was putting my toddler down for his nap I just put the baby down and I, during his bedtime routine, I felt something come out and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I had to play it cool because my two-year-old is there and I'm, I'm like so close to having him in bed. And I was like, I got to get downstairs. I got to get down. I got to get to the bathroom. I got to get to the bathroom. And so I put him down and he wanted me to rock with him and his little rocking chair that it's, that's in his room, which is not a typical part of his bedtime routine. And I was like, no, not today. I can't, I can't, I can't. So he's like, mom, a little bit rock, mom, a little bit rock. And I was like, you know what? I got to pick my battle here. I can't handle his crying and like a f having a fit right now when I'm so close to like being free of this, um, so I sat down and I was like, I got to get to the bathroom. I got to get to the bathroom, sat down. I was like, I barely touched, touched my butt to the chair and I like sprung back up. I'm like, all right, baby, got to go. I love you so much. Big kiss. Mwah. And I went downstairs and I wiped and full gestational sac with amniotic fluid. And I knew what it was. But I was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And I was in this little tiny old, like, outdated, ugly brown looking bathroom. And it was it was not glamorous at all. Um, my husband was due to come home in like an hour. He had decided we had discussed him coming home early that day. I think I was like, I don't know. I just felt like that was not going to be a good day. So he said he'd come home early. So this was like half an hour before he was supposed to come home. And I put the baby, I call it a baby. Mm -hmm. It was a gestational sack. It was supposed to be a baby. So I call it a baby. Put the baby in a glass bowl. I didn't want the baby touching plastic of any sort. Um, so I put the baby in a glass bowl and I wrapped the baby in a receiving blanket. And I just like, kind of took a moment to like process um I'm very active right now on the online like infertility and miscarriage community and I've seen 
you know, moms who have like later miscarriages and stillbirths, they have pictures with their babies and that sort of thing. And I was like, you know what? I think I want that. I didn't get this. I didn't get anything with my first two miscarriages because they were so early. I didn't even get an ultrasound picture. I think I want a picture with this baby. Like I have this physical, on one sense, it's more traumatizing having like a later miscarriage. And on the other hand, like you get some, it's something physical that you see and you hold on to, you know, um, in my experience. So got a picture and I wrapped the baby up the baby in the fridge because I was like okay I think like this all came out intact I think we can take the baby in for my appointment that was just two days away um for my viability scan um I think we could take it in and get it tested and see if we can get an answer what what went wrong uh, put the baby in the fridge and my husband came home and it took me like an hour of just sitting on the couch and he sat there and he waited and eventually the words that I chose were, I don't really know how else to word this, but I gave birth earlier today. Um, and he just, he was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he hugged me and let me cry. And um, I think again, he like somewhere at that point, he asked, what can I do for you or what do you need for me? And I was like, you know what? I I really want to open up the gestational sack and see if I can see a baby in there. Um, so he went upstairs with me and we sat on the bed and I opened it up and the amniotic fluid came out. Um, and I looked around and I was like, maybe like, maybe something started growing. Um, and I wasn't able to, see anything I but still I was like maybe there's still hope I just I haven't looked hard enough I can't do this anymore I'll just I'll just take it in and let them look um so we put the baby back in the fridge and I my husband called my midwife I get really anxious about making phone calls anyway um and especially after the experience that I had with my first one and her being like well you're not pregnant anymore I was I, I felt at that moment that I had been traumatized by that because I could not, I could not make that phone call. So my husband called, um, and she, he told the midwife what happened and I didn't hear it, but he told me after the phone call that my midwife, the midwife asked, how is the mother? And this person that answered the phone didn't know my history. She didn't know that I had other children. She only knew that I had this miscarriage at 11 weeks and she asked me she asked how is the mother and so I was a, I was a mother and I just can only imagine what that feels like for the other women who miscarry their first babies um to be I literally have to chills yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> and not only that but just like that she cares you know she cared about me and it wasn't it wasn't a sterile thing it was it was very a compassionate interaction from what I could tell and um so that took away that stress of me making that phone call and then that also gave him something to do so again like playing into him like wanting to be the fixer and and the doer um so they he asked I, I asked him to ask if we could bring in the baby to be tested 
and they said um they said yeah put it in the fridge not the freezer they specified not the freezer so that made me that told me that they knew that what they were talking about um and bring it in with your um with you on your appointment in two days so we did that and we waited and i put the baby in a, like a small little glass mason jar and tied it in a little like decorative napkin that we have and wrapped it in a little bow and put it in my backpack so here I was carrying around my child in my backpack and went in um and I there were so many mercies through this like it was not a painful thing I went in and there was not a single pregnant belly to be found it was all little old ladies and their families in this OB waiting room um and that was just such an incredible mercy so I went back talked to my midwife it was a different midwife this time um and she just started out with I'm so sorry for the loss of your baby and she referred to it as my baby and I really appreciated that um and she listened to me um what my concerns were what I wanted to do moving forward um I had been in a place because of my first two miscarriages of feeling like I didn't deserve care. And I, I think a lot of women kind of get to that place because of the way that they're treated. They, mm-hmm. they, feel like they don't count, you know, or even just like um, apologize. Like I remember apologizing for things. Like, yeah. Like kind of being like, well, I'm, I'm, I might sound crazy, but well, you know what I mean? Cause, but it's because I actually, of how I was treated prior. Right. Right, exactly. I actually have been working on that um, a lot, like, leading up to this miscarriage anyway, of, like, I, you know, I have needs, and I don't mm-hmm. need to apologize for having those needs, yeah. and if they're, if someone's offended by that, that's on them. Yeah. I, I'm a human, and I, and I have needs and feelings, and I'm going to ask for what I need. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that for everyone, because it's not a fun feeling. It, no, it's not. So I was like, you know what, and I'm such... I'm such like an empath and I'm, I'm always feeling for other people. And I'm like, what if this makes them feel awkward? What if this makes them feel uncomfortable? What if it's inconvenient? What if they say no and I feel rejected, you know? Um, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to advocate for myself here. And I have these needs and these are the questions that I have. And I'm going to ask them right here and now, and I'm going to get answers that I appreciate, you know? Um, so I needed a plan of like, what do we do right now going uh, like going through this miscarriage and healing and what do we do as far as like trying again because we do have a history of infertility and we've now had three miscarriages which thankfully my care team so far has counted them even though they were so early um i'm very blessed in that way too because mine were really early and my care team was able to understand and count that oh yeah exactly like I actually had for my second miscarriage the one at four weeks um I didn't have two in a row I had a baby in between them so technically by the definition that's not a recurrent miscarriage yeah yeah. but because I had explained to my doctor hey I didn't take baby aspirin with these two miscarriages and they happen the same way but I took baby aspirin with my baby and he's fine I feel like there's something going on. So he actually had done testing at that point. Um, 
and he found that I do have the that MTHFR gene mutation. Um, but it's the most mild form. And I also had already been taking like whole food prenatals with the folate. So I knew that that was not an issue. And my ho- my homocysteine levels were lower, like in normal range, which is the thing that causes the blood clotting. So they also found, um, I had tested positive for a lupus anticoagulant antibody, which is a blood clotting disorder. And you're technically supposed to test, um, positive twice within 12 12 weeks for that but I was like you know what this makes perfect sense this explains everything I'm just gonna take it and go with it and I'm gonna take the baby aspirin for my next pregnancy so that's when I took the baby aspirin for my my one-year-old um but yeah so he he got me tested everything and I really appreciate that so my midwife for this one now like we laid out a plan and she was very open compassionate and that sort of thing so um, I had this weird thing. I don't even know scientifically if this is accurate, but even though a baby didn't form, I thought that there must be like some kind of genetic code within what I did have, you know, this gestational sac, like the egg and sperm came together and formed this. There must be something to it, you know? Um, and I had in my head that potentially that DNA code included a gender, even though a baby didn't form, I would know the gender of what the baby should have been. I don't know if that's true or not, but I had in my head that maybe that's, you know, I don't either, but I, I would think the same thing. (laughs) And I was too embarrassed to ask that. I was, I was pretty good at like asking what I needed to, but I was too embarrassed to ask that. And not only that, but I was afraid that they would say no and I would feel rejected. So the midwife had gone, um, I asked if we could get the get it tested, and we we said, well, the person who answered the phone said to bring the remains in with us today and to keep it in the fridge. And the midwife is like, I'm so sorry. I think too much time has passed. And we're like, but this is what they said when we called. And we specifically asked, and she told us the fridge and not the freezer. Um, and we... Um, so she went, she left the room like three times, just asking different people like higher and higher up the chain to try and get the answer I was looking for, which was, yes, we'll take your baby. You carried it in a backpack. We'll gladly take it. Um, and the answer was no, they could not do genetic testing because too much time had passed. Um, so if you're one of those people that gives birth to the entire gestational sac and everything, needs to be taken in right away like they do with a dnc um they take it right away to the lab just so you know (laughs) Um, yeah that's interesting yeah um so we kept it in the fridge though so angry (laughs) i i lost it i was pretty composed at that point i was like this is my third miscarriage and my husband has been fantastic and like we got this i'm i'm okay i'm gonna ask questions and i'm gonna be a big girl and like it was my new normal, you know, like this is a thing that was part of my life now. And so I was pretty composed until that point and I lost it. And there was like no reeling me back at that point. Well, um, I think too, you probably had some like hope that you were finally going to get some answers from, you know, bringing the baby in and then kind of yeah. get that taken away. Is like, exactly. What the heck? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, I was hoping for some answers because we didn't get a whole lot, you know, with our first two other than take baby aspirin. And I was like, why am I having a blighted ovum now when before it didn't happen that way? Why am I having these two different types of miscarriages? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, So the answer was no. Um, But actually, the midwife had been she was out in the hallway and I could hear her outside and she was talking, but I couldn't exactly hear the words. But um, I told my husband, like, actually, I don't necessarily, I'm not concerned about a diagnosis and a reason. I'd like one, but I'm not concerned about that. What I want to know is, was my baby a boy or a girl? Um, so I could name the baby and, you know, gr- like, it just helps with the grief Have process. some closure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he actually went out into the hallway. He, like, I didn't tell him to, I didn't ask him to, he was like, why don't I go out and ask her so that he wasn't even asking in front of me. I wasn't even hearing the answer directly, you know? Um, so he asked and came back and he, he relate, he's the one who relayed the answer to me that they could not do the, the testing for the gender and that sort of thing. Um, so... I think the midwife like purposely gave us a couple minutes and she came back and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is, I'm so sorry that you were misled in this way. And I'm going to be talking with the nurses who answered the phone and let them know that I'm going to give them the correct information so that this doesn't happen to somebody else. And that was like overall the, t- the most, the important point for me. Like if I've already been through this, m- I don't want somebody else to go through this, you know, after me, um, of bringing their child in a backpack and then having to take that child back home in a backpack. Um, and you know, having to take it home and figure out what to do with it. So anyway, I appreciated that she said that because I was going to ask her anyway, if she would do that. And she came out and said herself, um, so we had planned for me to go see um, a reproductive endocrinologist, which we had never seen at all. Like, even though we tried for three years or so for our firstborn, we never went to, to see one. So we went in, um, well, we went home, put the baby back in the fridge, and I had decided that I wanted to do a cremation. Um and I wanted to do, I wanted to put together a necklace, like a breast milk keepsake necklace that had breast milk that I had pumped from when I was pregnant because it tested positive for HCG. So I was like, this milk contains the hormone that helped like grow my baby. Um, and it's like a physical something that I have to hold on to. And then I wanted to have like the ashes inside of that. So we did a cremation. Um Actually, my baby was in the fridge for a few weeks, which I feel in the freezer, actually. And I couldn't even like look into the freezer. I was like, okay, eyes closed. Let me grab the waffles are right here in front. And um, so that was a couple of weeks. My husband did a lot of research into how to do a cremation because it's 11 weeks. Like, you don't. I love my baby, but I'm not going to take my baby in and spend like however many thousands of dollars to a facility and have the baby, you know, 11 weeks cremated and have to answer all these questions and um so my husband learned how to do it at home so he had done all this research we went in in the meantime we went into the 
reproductive endocrinologist and again she was very compassionate and she considered you know all of our miscarriages and that sort of thing and um she's like keep taking the baby aspirin she ordered more testing and I tested negative for this lupus anticoagulant antibody and I was a little bit disappointed about that kind of because I had an answer and now I don't have an answer like why do I need baby aspirin to sustain my pregnancies and why do I have a blighted ovum like what's happening um and she said that she was going to see if we qualified for genetic testing she actually never got back to me on that so I don't know but you know I was like I guess it doesn't really matter if we're not going to do treatment for it 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 doesn't make any difference if we know or not I just you know Mm -hmm. um it's nice to know what you can so anyway we didn't get that but done but uh the day that I got that the blood draw for that testing was actually the day that I got pregnant again um naturally no trying no tracking no soft cups no baby aspirin nothing um and I knew from like five days past ovulation that I was pregnant I had all the same symptoms I had with you know at this point this is my sixth pregnancy um this was last this was in April so um five days past ovulation so I started testing at like six days past ovulation and of course it's negative and it's negative and it's negative and so um on April 13th we had already it was a Saturday so we had decided to do the cremation ceremony for for our baby finally who we had named Shiloh Shiloh means peace and um we just felt like such a peace going through I mean even though it's a devastating loss and we're you know grieving um there still was like okay like God's got this you know and there was just such a peace through it so we wanted we wanted that in our baby's name and it's a gender neutral name because we don't know the gender um so we had planned to cremate Shiloh on that day and I took a pregnancy test in the morning and it was like I swear I saw something and I swear it came up right away, but it still was not, it was nothing to celebrate over. It was nothing to do an announcement over. And I had posted it, um, like on my Instagram saying like, oh yeah, I tested and you know, I, I'm, even though this looks negative, I'm still holding out hope. And I had a bunch of people message me and they had their like pregnancy tester apps or whatever, where you can they, turn like, it. Yeah. Yes. And they're like, they sent me all these like edited photos and they're like, I see it. I see it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you guys, I cannot today. Today is Shiloh's day. So I, I let it go. I let it go that day. I was like, you know what? I'm so grateful for this timing because if I am pregnant, um, I'm glad that I'm not in this headspace of like, I'm already pregnant and I still have not laid to rest the baby that I just lost. So I was, it was like perfect timing that I still had a negative that morning. And my husband had, my husband had said, why don't we, we were really wanting good weather to do the cremation because we didn't want like a bunch of wind and rain and stuff while, while we're, you know, trying to do the ceremony. Um, but we had already planned to do it at night when the boys went to bed. Um, but he said, why don't we go out and kind of, you know, so we're not sitting around all day waiting for the cremation. Why don't we go out and we're going to go to, um, it's like a natural park with 
with um, waterfalls and that sort of thing. Uh, it's called Al Sable Chasm. Um, why don't we go there and we'll go hiking and it'll be a beautiful day. And so we're not thinking about, you know, the cremation. So looking back at that, it's actually what he needed. He needed that distraction. Um, but I appreciated him. I appreciate him framing it in a way of like, he's offering this to me and he thinks I would appreciate the, the distraction. And I did. And so we went out and it was a beautiful day and it felt so, it was like, it felt like reflective and almost worshipful. Like I just got to walk around in nature and it was just like the first nice day of the year. Um, and just be thankful for, you know, the babies that I have, the babies that I've lost, the the fact that I even got pregnant with them in the first place and that I got to, you know, hold them for a little bit um, and just be thankful for my husband. And it just felt really reflective. And it, it was a it was a good day. It was happy. And so we came home and um, put the boys to bed. And my husband had done all this research about this cremation. So he got like this Bunsen, this huge Bunsen burner and a terracotta pot and all these things. And I was like, is it going to explode? Is it going to explode? I was like freaking out. This is like fire is not my thing at all. So um, again, this is like something that he was able to do and something where he was able to take a skill that he has and I don't and and like use it to he there's no taking it away there's no like fixing it but he could make it better mm-hmm. and so that's what he was able to do um and so i uh we did a little ceremony he played a song he picked out a song i can't think off the top of my head what song it was but it was so it was so perfect and i had never heard that song with that perspective um before and so it was it was so perfect and I read a little letter and we read some scripture and we we prayed and that sort of thing. And um, we did the cremation. I was there at the start of it, but then he's like, why don't you go inside and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. And I was like, okay, this is, this is how I want it. I want it in this pouch and I don't want it to touch any plastic and I don't want to lose a single ash. And I was like, these are all the rules. These are the guidelines that you have. Make it happen. I'm going to go inside. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> So he did it and it was like he had the, he set aside a little bit of the ashes so that I could have the the keepsake ashes necklace that I wanted with the breast milk so that's on the way it's getting made now um really excited for that and the rest of it he the rest of the ashes he had put in a little pouch that I found it was one it was um my nana's actually and it was like up in some box in my kids closet or whatever um but it was just the perfect little pouch the perfect size it was purple and it has like little red dragons on it and it zips and snaps shut so like no plastic baggies nothing and we put them we put the ashes in this little box um that we got from hallmark actually and it has a lock and a key so i thought it would be nice to have a key and i had seen like I had seen people make little keepsake bears out of their kids' onesies and receiving blankets and Nana's sweater and that sort of thing. So I was like, I'm going to have a bear made out of the receiving blanket that I wrapped Shiloh in. Um, and then I'm going to have this key to this box. I'm going to have the bear wear the key. So Shiloh, like, it's everything's all together, you know. 
Um, so yeah, I did the cremation and it came out beautifully. And so then the next day, I found out that I was, in fact, not crazy. I was pregnant, definitely, again, already. Um, and I was like, I think I was like 12 days past ovulation at this. So my, pe- my period wasn't even due. And the next day I started bleeding. And I was like, um, what is this? <laughs> my period's not due. There's supposed to be this two-week window where there's no way you can miscarry because you're still, like, becoming pregnant or whatever. Um, no, I started bleeding at, like, before my period was due. So it was, like, three weeks and six days or something. And... I bled for four days and it was really light and I hate that because doctors will be so dismissive and be like, Oh, it's like a period or whatever. Or, you know, the statistic of probably more women miscarry than, than, than they know, but they just don't realize it because it's like a regular period. And it was like a regular period. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also was like really a relief too, you know? And, um, so, yeah, I miscarried on April 16th, and now it's May 11th. Um, so, where we're at right now is we are still doing really well with our marriage. <laughs> We've been married almost eight years now, actually. We have our two boys. Theodore just turned one yesterday. Um, we had the testing come back my husband got a new semen analysis and basically after hours of number crunching what it came down to the summary of it is he has 271 percent increased fertility um so we're getting pregnant now which is great and we're wanting to try again um but yeah we're waiting to see what that what that looks like my hope of a 2019 baby has gone I didn't think we would have one in the first place, so it feels like a tease, but yeah, that's where we're at right now. Four miscarriages. Gosh, quite the journey, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had um, one piece of advice for anybody in a similar situation, what would it be? Oh my gosh, um, I have so much. <laughs> but I think what I want to focus on now, because I did want to emphasize like the, um, you know, preserving your marriage through going through miscarriage is that um, y- you probably heard there guys and girls grieve differently, but I'm going to take it a step further and like, say, encourage that give, give your guy the space and like encourage that he goes out and encourage that he, you know, plays his video games or goes out with his friends or like, that's how, that's how guys do, you know, and, um, give, give them tasks. Don't like come, I mean, yeah, obviously cry to them and like communicate how you're feeling and that sort of thing, but mostly they're wanting to like take it away and fix it and do things. So let them do that. And mm-hmm. for you, like, you do your own thing too. Like I was online ordering keepsake bears and breast milk necklaces. 
And I didn't even ask my husband or tell him. And I would tell him, I need to go for a walk or I need to do some writing or whatever. And so kind of how it ended up would be we did our own separate thing during the day and then we would come together. And by that time I had gone, I had already talked out, like I had been talking to friends within the the miscarriage community um who understood and they knew what to say and they knew you know they could like solidarity is just such a powerful thing and just empathy and someone like connecting with someone who's been there but who is also the same gender (laughs) um so yeah so I would he would go to work he would do his thing like I'm okay I you know I can compartmentalize I can go to work I'm gonna do my thing and I was at home like texting all my miscarriage you know mom friends um and so at the end of the day when we came back together it was a very gentle like we're gonna spend time together hey you know I would say to him hey I you know I thought about the baby or hey this is how I felt today and he would be able to acknowledge it or even like return like yeah I felt that way too or this is how I felt or something and it was just a quick like the emotion the strength of the emotion was out of it and we were able to just I just wanted to know that he cared and I think that's what we we want from our our partners is to to know that they we don't need them to cry and to order teddy bears Mm -hmm. and to you know like do all these things and like totally live in this headspace of miscarriage and do all this research we don't need them to do that the point is that we want to know that they care about our babies. And so if we can just get that out of them and other than that, like grieve separately, that has been a life changer. hundred percent. I agree. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh goodness. So where could somebody find you if they wanted to reach out Instagram or where are you kind of like um, most involved? So I love Instagram. I'm one of those people that does all the long captions. (laughs) I'm very, very open about um, all of my miscarriages and how that affects my marriage and my parenting and all the aspects of my life still. Um, I kind of do what you do. I'm like a life after infertility kind of thing. And so I'm on Instagram at this side of if. And then I'm also on my blog, same thing, this side of if.com. And I'm super open on there about infertility, miscarriage, parenting. Um, I'm going to be putting together tips going through miscarriage, marriage through miscarriage, that sort of thing, all on the blog. So that's where I like to hang out. Awesome. And I will link both your Instagram and your blog in the description of this episode as well. I love the name too, this side of if. Yeah, it was. It was, um, well, you know, if being the, the abbreviation for infertility commonly. So I'm like on this oh, side of infertility. It matches um, almost like more of like a, so kind of, for me, it means more like, I feel like the headspace a lot of the times with infertility and miscarriage yeah. is if. So it kind of has yeah. like two different meanings then. That's awesome. It does. So then the other meaning is like when I was first going through infertility and like leading up to my mis- first miscarriage and through my first miscarriage, um, it was God, if there is a God, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it, wondering if I'm ever going to be a mother. So I'm yeah. on that side of wondering if I'm going to be a mom, on that side of wondering if I'm going to be, um, if there is a God and on that, this side of infertility, which actually I've since learned that 
I'm kind of still in the middle of it, but yeah. So I love that. That's so cool. I wanted something that I could still interact. I wanted something that wasn't like, Hey, I'm a mom of rainbows. I wanted something that I could like interact with people still on, you know, the other side of waiting and that sort of thing and not have like in your face. I have all these babies, you know what I mean? So thank you. (laughs) For sure. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story. Thank you for this platform. I appreciate it. Yes, we will talk soon. Okay, talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 